What's going on, man? Welcome back to the basement. I'm Ron. I think that this is the most stacked waiver wire of the season so far. So today we're going to get into my top 10 must add waiver wire pickups for week four. We're going to talk about the running backs at the top, the pass catchers on the back half, all of these players under 50% owned on ESPN. So let's not waste any more time. If you enjoyed the video, make sure down below, subscribe, leave a like. Let's go. <laughs> Now, before we get into our 10 must-add waiver wire targets for week four, make sure you check out patreon.com slash Ron Stewart. I drop an article there every single Tuesday where I go through every single waiver wire ad, 10 to 15 deep per position, and I talk through exactly how much fab I'm bidding on in my leagues, along with a little bit of a blurb underneath each player where I talk about key stats that they had that week and then also how much I'm bidding based on, you know, if my RB2 is looking down bad, then I'm bidding a ton on this player. If not, then you can safely pass. So there's a lot to gain in terms of crushing your waivers from that article. So make sure you check out patreon.com slash Ron Stewart. It'll be in the description. It'll be at the top of the comments below. Now, when we talk about our waiver wire ads for today, I like to break them up into priority ads and just ads. Priority ads are players I'm spending 15% or more of my fab budget on. And ads are just guys that I'm trying to sneak through, add after all the waivers clear. And we have a lot of priority ads this week. I think we only had like one each week the first two weeks. This week, I think we have four. And our first priority ad on this list is going to be Jamal Williams. And I can't believe that he is only rostered on 44.3% of ESPN leagues. Before even having this huge blow-up game this week, he was the RB25 through two weeks in the clear handcuff to DeAndre Swift. We were talking like every week, go add Jamal Williams. He's still on waivers in a lot of leagues here after putting up a 24.7 point game. He is now the RB7 through three weeks, and he just put up 20 carries, 87 yards, two touchdowns on the ground with two catches for 20 yards through the air. Now he was an every week streamable RB2 slash handcuff, and he now gets a Swift shoulder injury and it's pretty much wheels up here. We got a report from Adam Schefter saying that Dan Campbell said that DeAndre Swift could possibly benefit by taking the next two weeks off to help his shoulder heal and then return after Detroit's bye to play on October 23rd. So he has some kind of shoulder injury. It seems like it's likely that he might not come back until after the bye, which means you would get week four and week five of Jamal Williams pretty much being a borderline RB1. I think if you need a running back bad, you could make the case to bid like more than half of your fab budget on Jamal Williams if you really need the running back help. And I also want to say Craig Reynolds. Make sure you go out there, add Craig Reynolds. He's going to be an ad. I didn't want to wait until after the priority ads to talk about him, but he had a 100-yard rushing game last year when they had injuries strike. He's still in the 53-man roster. He made offseason cuts. He made the team. He's on the active game day rosters where he saw six carries yesterday when DeAndre Swift left. He is going to be the RB2 on this offense, or he's RB3 on the depth chart, RB2 with Swift out, which means he's going to be that 1B. Like, I don't, I don't think he's going to be as involved as Jamal Williams was with DeAndre Swift, but it's pretty clear this staff doesn't like to use just one running back. So Craig Reynolds will be involved. Our next priority ad is Khalil Herbert, who went absolutely wild on the Texans after David Montgomery went down on Sunday. He ended up with 20 carries, 157 yards, and two touchdowns for 30.9 points as the RB1 on the day. Now, Khalil Herbert is very much a handcuff, so how much you bid depends on how long David Montgomery is out for. The issue is we don't really have a clear answer right now. Now, I will say the DeAndre Swift stuff, we're not certain he'll be back after the bye, but it seems very unlikely that he plays 
in week four at the least. With Dave Montgomery, he's a little bit more up in the air where this is a blurb from Edwin Porras where it says he's listed day-to-day, but there's potential for him to have an MCL sprain, a high ankle sprain. There was some kind of roll-up on his knee ankle area, which if he had any of those injuries, he could be on the sideline for multiple weeks up to like a month. So there's a lot of sort of variance here of what this outcome is going to be, which means there's a lot of upside for Khalil Herbert if Montgomery ends up missing a lot of time. Now, again, we don't know how long Montgomery is going to be out. There's a chance that he plays in week four and just shrugs off the injury, was day-to-day, and that's that. So there's a lot of variance here. But again, after seeing what Herbert did with Montgomery not on the field, he's a must-add for me. And then there's also a scenario where Herbert looked really good in week one. He looked really good here. If Montgomery's not hurt long-term, at the very least, his re-injury rate will be higher. He'll be more volatile. And if Khalil Herbert keeps balling out like this, he's going to force the coach's hand into a committee. So you kind of have a couple outs here. I still think he's a must-add, even if Montgomery doesn't miss a lot of time. Now, with our third priority had, we have a similar story here. We have Alexander Madison. We have the lead running back in Dalvin Cook having his annual shoulder injury, which meant it was Alexander Madison time on Sunday. Now, the injury didn't happen until late in the game, so he doesn't have any of these crazy stats that Herbert or Jamal Williams put up. But we know what Alexander Madison is when Dalvin Cook can't play. He's like a top 10 running back in fantasy that week during the weeks that Dalvin Cook misses. Now, Dalvin Cook is apparently day-to-day with a shoulder injury. Jesse Morris talked about it on Twitter. He said, not many people can sustain a dislocated shoulder and still be deemed day-to-day. Dalvin Cook has dislocated both shoulders so many times that this injury is more of the same. Amazingly, instead of a three- to four-week recovery, it looks like he may return in one week. They're saying there's a chance that he just puts on a shoulder brace and plays in week four. So Madison might not be in the same tier as those top two guys, but he is still a very interesting ad where Dalvin Cook could miss this week. He could miss multiple weeks. And if he does play this week, he has a high re-injury rate. So Madison, at the very least, is somebody that needs to be rostered everywhere. He's only rostered in 37.1% of leagues right now. He is the premier handcuff. He is the most upscale handcuff, in my opinion. I don't understand why he wouldn't be rostered in more leagues. He is the guy where if Dalvin Cook goes down, Madison is going to be an absolute stud. If he's on waivers, go grab him. Even if we don't have a firm, okay, Dalvin Cook is going to miss time. If it's pretty much locked and loaded that Dalvin Cook is going to play in week four by the time you submit waivers on either Tuesday night or Wednesday night, then at that point, we're not bidding like 15% plus, but we're making sure he's not still on waivers. And our fourth and final priority ad is our first wide receiver priority ad of the season now i don't really like to use a ton of fab on wide receivers i already have teams with stacked wide receiver rooms i don't really see the point in going out there and spending up big on guys like zay jones or guys like sterling Shepard. i think curtis samuel was a great steal but outside of that there hasn't been much off of waivers at wide receiver the place i like to look at for wide receivers when i'm willing to spend up on a wide receiver is when they're a rookie we know rookie wide receivers are often league winners we saw Amon Ross St. Brown last year we saw Waddle last year and the year before that you'll see guys like Ayuk you'll see guys like Justin Jefferson CeeDee Lamb T Higgins a lot of these rookie wide receivers have really good win rates and really good production for teams because we talked about this in the offseason a ton but we see a lot of these rookie wide receivers you know they don't get a full diet of snaps of routes until a few weeks in and then they finally catch their stride and from like weeks eight on they score a bunch of points I think that's kind of the trajectory Romeo Dobbs is on here where he comes out here in week three and went absolutely crazy he had eight catches 73 yards and a touchdown for 20.3 fantasy points this week and he not only produced in week three but he's now steadily sort of created a body of work here through three weeks 
Among eight rookie wide receivers with 10 or more targets, he joins only Garrett Wilson, Drake London, and Chris Olave in the 70-plus receiving grade club. That is huge. Receiving grade, PFF receiving grade, is one of the most predictive stats we have out there. It was one of the things that made Amon Ross St. Brown such a you know easy breakout target where he had a high PFF grade. You had guys in the past, like I, I know Michael Thomas, Odell Beckham, just all of the elite rookie wide receivers, Odell Beckham, uh, Terry McLaurin, they all had 80 or better receiving grades. So 71 is what Dobbs had. It's not in the same area, but even just having like 75 or better, just being in the 70s this early on is really encouraging. Now, he also had a 22.2% target per out run through three weeks so far and a 1.9 yards per out run, which are both really strong numbers. He also saw 94% of the routes this week and performed which is huge because he goes from a 58% route participation in week one, comes down to a 43%, and then all the way to a 94%. Now, the reason for that was that Christian Watson was hurt, uh, Sammy Watkins was hurt, so he kind of got called up there. But if you get called up to be a starting wide receiver and you put up eight for 73 and a touchdown as a rookie in a game that your offense only put up 14 points in, that's huge. There's a chance that he has now earned that starting wide receiver spot. Him and Alan Lazard could be out there on two wide receiver sets, and if that happens, you have the upside that a rookie wide receiver possesses attached to Aaron Rodgers, which is league-winning type scenario. So that's why, to me, he's a must-add, a guy that I would be willing to unload on if he's on waivers. Then we just have our regular ads here. First, we have Samaj P. Ryan, which is just another handcuff, but the injury isn't as clear for Joe Mixon, where Mixon left in the fourth quarter on Sunday. He had some kind of ankle injury, but it seems like Zach Taylor, it seems like Joe Mixon expect to play this week the thing that's interesting here is joe mixon plays on thursday so that's a tight turnaround he has monday tuesday wednesday plus like a flight or something i'm not sure if it's away or home but he has a lot leading up to that in a short couple days so there's always a chance that he has a setback or the injury is more serious than he thought and then from there you get a free square running back that you get to play on a short week on thursday night so he's someone that you can just kind of sneakily add as long as this joe mixon stuff sort of stays quiet for now but I think that he is someone where if you don't want to spend up on a Madison or a Khalil Herbert, I think Pirine is a great option as well. Now, another running back we'll have here, our last running back on this list is going to be James Cook, where he fumbled in week one, pretty much derailed the start of his season after being a guy that was getting drafted like round nine, round 10 of fantasy drafts. And he is starting to get some touches here where he mixed in on a blowout in week two. He had 11 carries for 53 yards, which is solid. And then this week, in a game that was intense, it was close, there was crunch time, he had five targets, four catches, 37 yards. And that's not crazy, but it's usage. Especially five targets for a running back on the Bills, that's a lot. Now, Singletary also saw a lot of targets. Singletary saw 12 targets, nine catches for 78 yards and a touchdown. Here's the thing about Singletary. That's not his game. That was his career high in targets. He is never going to be a guy that has like 10 plus targets, either on a routine basis or just Ever. Like this is going to be a, you know, a career high for Devin Singletary for a while. Now, I think when they see that they lost to the Dolphins and they go back to the drawing board, they watch the tape. I don't know how you can justify 12 targets to Devin Singletary. One, knowing that's not his specialty. And two, knowing the kind of playmakers you have on this offense. So I think that there's a chance that they look at this. They're like, we drafted James Cook to do this. Why would we give 12 targets to Devin Singletary? I think that they're going to want to get James Cook a little bit more involved. I think it's clear that Ken Dorsey in this Bills offense wants to include running backs in this passing game where, again, we saw Singletary 12 targets this week on top of James Cook's five targets and on top of Zach Moss having six targets off the bench 
in week one. The, the idea that the Bills want to target their running back and have a specific role for their running backs in the passing game, I think is completely true at this point. We've seen them target the running backs a lot. I think it is just going to come down to when do they trust James Cook? Because I don't think that they want Singletary to ever have more than like five targets in a game. So I think that this is going to come soon. I still like James Cook. I don't know why. It seems like people just soured on him after week one, dropped him everywhere. I still think that he's a fine stash, just considering what this team is, how many points they score, and the role that they're creating for running backs at this point. Then we have Russell Gage, who I bent the rules for a little bit, where we had the rule of 50% or lower, but he is a 55.4% guy. So right there. But I want to talk about Russell Gage, where he's someone where you don't have to sprint to your waivers for him, but he had 13 targets, 12 catches, 87 yards, a touchdown for 23.7 PPR points. I doubt that sticks, but if he's catching passes from Tom Brady and he's running routes, I think that's an interesting add. Now, of course, Evans, Godwin, Julio are all going to be back here soon, but there is a scenario where Godwin suffers another setback and he sort of carves out a slot role. And these injuries have been tough for Godwin, for Julio, not Evans yet, but he has been somebody that, you know, pulls up with hamstrings from time to time. If Russell Gage can be this sort of like slot wide receiver handcuff that you can play in scenarios where the Bucks are down a pass catcher or two, I think he's an interesting ad. I don't think that he's anything crazy, but he's not someone that should be on waivers. Now, our last wide receiver we'll talk about is another rookie wide receiver, not as impressive as Romeo Dobbs, but George Pickens. And he's another one where, like James Cook, if you draft a rookie, the whole point of drafting a rookie is what we talk about Romeo Dobbs. They're going to suck in the beginning, and then they're going to slowly creep up, and then they're going to be guys who smash down the stretch. So dropping them through three weeks, I think is a mistake, especially with a guy like George Pickens, who is a guy who was getting drafted around 9, 10 in underdog drafts and high stakes leagues. And now he's on 66% of waivers, which I think is crazy. Now, George Pickens is already at the top of his depth chart, or not at the top, but he is out there 88% or more of the routes all three games so far. It's just that the production hasn't been there, but he is starting to get some signal that points are coming. Through the first two weeks, he was essentially running wind sprints where he was running 91% of the routes, 95% of the routes, but he had an 8% target per route run, which means you're just you're just like a role player at that point with under one yards per route run. So he's literally just out there doing Marquez Valdez Scantling type things on the perimeter. But this Thursday, he saw that change. He saw a career high so far, seven targets for a 24.1% target per route run and a 1.34 yards per route run. Now, 1.34 isn't great. We want like two plus, but it's a step in the right direction from a guy that was just running wind sprints. Now, it didn't manifest itself in fantasy points, but that's kind of when we want to swoop in and grab these guys off the waivers because we want to sort of grab them before it happens. And I think that Pickens has the peripherals right now where if he can command targets downfield like he did on Thursday, and if he can start doing that moving forward, I think he has better days ahead. He's a rookie. He's going to get better as the season goes on. And I do kind of have hope for this passing game, whether Mitch Trubisky kind of turns things around or if Kenny Pickett comes in and looks better. I think that the passing game will be a little bit better than it has been. He also had the crazy one-handed catch, which makes me believe as much as that's I mean, I know that, you know, you have a guy like Brandon Lloyd who has like one of the craziest highlight catch reels. He's not like a Hall of Famer or anything, but it's at least worth noting that Pickens made a great play. Maybe, you know, coaches see that. They're like, oh, we got to get this guy the ball more. So I do think that there's going to be better days ahead for George Pickens if he can kind of keep that momentum going of actually earning targets on his routes. Then at the end here, I want to talk about two tight ends where first up we have David Njoku and he went absolutely crazy on Thursday. He had 10 targets, 9 catches, 89 yards, and a touchdown for 23.9 points. 
on a 32% target share. He also saw 75% of the routes. He had all the usage we want, and he flashed that ceiling. He is one of the few guys that has 20-plus point per game, or not point per game, but 20-plus points in a given week type upside at tight end, where last year he had seven catches, 149 yards, and a touchdown. He's athletic. He's big. He has a crazy vertical. I wish I'd get him more involved. I do question if the volume will sustain. He had like a 32% target share after having, I want to say like under 10% in week one. We'll see. I think a happy medium is probably like 15 to 18% for him. And if he can just run a ton of routes, his athleticism should get him to the promised land. We'll see. He's probably been dropped in a lot of places. I think I even dropped him in one place. So I, you absolutely hate to see it. But if he's out there and you need a tight end streamer, I don't think he's someone you can just plug and play in this right next week. Like I don't think this Thursday night game kind of quieted the first like one to two weeks of him not producing a lot. But I do think that he's somebody where if you're streaming tight ends and you sort of are rostering two that you're switching back and forth between, I think he deserves consideration there. And then we'll also talk about Tyler Conklin here, who is currently the tight end three on the season, only 12.7 points per game, but he does kind of look like he might be this year's Dalton Schultz. He's a 15% target share. This Jets offense is so fast and up-tempo that he leads all tight ends and routes run with 131 routes ran through three weeks. He's a solid streamer if you need help. I don't think he has a crazy ceiling. I don't think he's going to give you a like 25-plus point week like a David Njoku. And I don't think he's going to give you 15-plus points per game. But he can be that sort of like Dalton Schultz-type production last year where he gives you like about 12.5 points per game as a top-six tight end. And I think that that is, you know, plenty valuable. So Tyler Conklin is also a guy where if you need a tight end, I think that picking him up is the move at this point. Now, if you've watched all that and you're like, Ron, how much should I be bidding on all these players? That is going to be on patreon.com because I want to sit down and actually go through them, take a little bit more time than I am on this Monday afternoon and sort of go through how much am I really going to be bidding on these players in my leagues? How much should you be bidding on these players? Do a little bit more research. We'll have a little bit more injury research by then or injury news by then. So everything's going to be super up to date. I drop those by 7 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday. So make sure you check out patreon.com slash Ron Stewart. If you want to go out there and dominate your waiver wire, the link to join will be in the description. It will be at the top of the comments below. If you enjoyed the video, make sure you go down below, subscribe, leave a like, and I will see you guys in the next one.